Before we get into today's game scoop, let's take a moment for a shout out to our sponsor, Squarespace. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create an awesome website, connect with your audience, and sell anything all in one place, all on your terms. With Squarespace, you can easily sell custom merch and create a passive income stream. You design your products, and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you, saving you time and money. You can sell your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical, digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. Use insights to grow your business, learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on top keywords or most popular products. Ready to get started? Head over to squarespace.com gamescoop for a free trial. And when it's showtime, use our special promo code gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week, I mean, really joining me this oh. week, is Justin Davis. Scoop! <laughs> Nick Lamone is here. Hey, how's it going? Sitting in for Tina. And Sam Claiborne is also here. He's calling in from San Francisco. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. It's, it's good to be here for all of us as well. If you're watching the video version of the show, you may have noticed that 75% of us are in the same room together. Right here in our studio mm-hmm. in L.A. So It's been a while. It has been a very long while. Uh, please be gentle with us, dear viewers and listeners. We'll see if we remember how to podcast in person. Uh, but we've got a great show planned for you this week. We're going to talk about the richest and poorest video game characters based on A-list. It's not IGN's list. It is A-list of the richest and is poorest. Is that a Forbes list over there? <laughs> yeah. This publication... backpipes. This publication is not quite Forbes. We'll we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, We'll also talk about our dream Star Wars games. But first, as usual, we can begin with what we've been playing. Of course, I'm still playing Elden Ring, but I'm not here to talk about that today. Uh, I've been talking about, uh, I've been playing a game I've been looking forward to for a long time, Justin. What? What? Rogue Legacy 2. Oh, does it finally come out of? Because it's been in early access. It's been in early access for a year. Two years, Is it that long? Yeah, it's been a good score. We oh, did our, our reviews up. Mitchell Salzman did the review for IGN. He gave it a 9 out of 10. Amazing. Awesome. Uh, so that's great. It's, it's super, it's a hard Damie game. It leans into hard Damie mm-hmm. game territory. And I'm enjoying it. My first impression, I, I've done you know several runs. I've played two or three hours of it 
so far. My first impression is that it feels a lot like Rogue Legacy. <laughs> okay. And it's got, it has a makeover. The first Rogue Legacy has like pixel art. Yeah. And now it's like this sort of cartoon, sort of Castle Crashers style art. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it does, it does look like Rogue Legacy still, though, yeah. which is cool. And it feels like it. it so mm -hmm. my first impression is that it almost feels like a remake of the original because mm -hmm. the gameplay oh, loop yeah. is the same. A lot of the enemies are the same. The traps are the same. So it's too early, you know, for me to say I'm like disappointed in that. But that's right. just my first impression. It's like this. It this feels like very much like the original Rogue Legacy in a, well, a, a prettier version. Okay, but like Rogue Legacy ripped. That game was it great. It did. It did. And Mitchell in his review even sort of acknowledged what I was saying. He says Rogue Legacy Two is a transformative sequel that essentially rebuilds the influential 2013 original into a modern roguelite that stands oh, nearly shoulder to shoulder. 2013 with the best yeah. of the genre. Oh, it is 2013, so almost time. 10 years old now. Now the thing I've really game been felt so modern. Yeah, I haven't really been following Rogue Legacy Two because when a game gets announced as early access, I kind of treat it as it does not exist sure. until it comes out. Therefore, I can be mm -hmm. surprised when it, when 1.0 finally launches. So, does it iterate on the first game in any outside of the visual overhaul? Like, it, well, just based on the footage that we're seeing, it looks a lot like zippier, a lot faster, mm -hmm. a little more elegant. Um, it reminds me a lot of Dead Cells. Uh, for some reason, I don't know why. There's just something just seamless like, about yeah, the movement now. The movement of it, sure. There's some new tricks, you know, uh, air dashing and, and things like that. Of course, I'm, I'm still very early on. So maybe as I get deeper into it, it'll start to feel more different. I, I think there are six different areas to explore now as opposed to the four of the original. So there, there's new areas, new bosses, and that sort of thing. But it's two more areas. Just, just, I know. It's, it, that checks out. I'm actually being told in my IFB, yeah, our fact checkers are on it. That checks out. <laughs> anyway, Rogue Legacy 2, I'm excited to dive into it more. Awesome. Uh, Nick, um, so what's up, Sam? Well, I was going to ask: Is it does it all take place in a like? I mean, I can see the footage that we're looking at right now. Is it all still like in a castle, or is it like um, does it have like bigger environs that you've gotten to yet? Well, already I've gotten like underneath the castle into like the caverns mm -hmm. where it's dark, and I actually don't have the item that'll let me see in the dark yet, so I, I'm not supposed okay. to be there yet. But yeah, I, I think like, you. The last game had like remember it had like four regions, right? It had yeah, like the yeah. gardens, and then like the yes. underground, and like something else. Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, so, you know, there, it's not, it's not an immediate expansion of that type of thing, though. It's not like, oh, it's like in the desert and the swamp and the snow. Well, yeah, like you definitely start out in a castle. You start out in a castle again. We'll see where it goes yeah. from there. Mm. Okay. Nick, what have you been playing? So I definitely suffer from I play too many things cool. all at once, but just for the sake of the podcast, I figured I'd distill it down to its essence. I've been uh, rediscovering old GBA games, so right now replaying uh, Drill Dozer, which is oh man, a fantastic good time. Yeah, real good. I like the, Game Freak gets a gets a a lot out of very uh, simple commands and buttons on the GBA, and it's a wildly good time. Uh, apart from that. Uh, picked up the Chrono Cross remaster for PS4. Nice. Playing it on PS5. Beautiful game. Uh, the uh, soundtrack, again, still immaculate. A lot of uh, frame yeah. rate issues yeah, in that bad mix, boy. It's, mixed things about that. It's a uh, poorer performance than how it was on the PS1, hmm. which is not ideal. Yeah. Uh, but the one I've spent the most time playing, and I kind of picked it up on a whim, it's one of those games I've heard about a lot over the years, but it never really grabbed me, but it was on sale on Steam. So I picked up uh, Chernobylite. Which is a, a post-apocalyptic Soviet-era like survival game, which is usually like I'm not big into survival games. I don't really like building bases in my games, crafting supplies, and all that jazz. But what really grabs me about it is that there is a framing device for it, where there is a story. The game does end, 
and there is a means to an end in all of the building and all the crafting, which when it's aimless, like in something like Minecraft, mm -hmm. I feel more like put off by it. But the fact that it is yeah. literally just, I need to build something so that I can craft lockpicks to open this thing and get new supplies. I dig that. I like that it's, it's all utilitarian as opposed to just have a fun time and make the world the way you want it. I don't yeah. really care about that. I just like to get into buildings and rummage around and, and get radioactive. It's a good time Oof. though. Yeah. If you're a fan of Get Stalker, if, if you're a fan of Stalker or like the Metro Exodus, Metro Last Light, all that jazz, very similar. Um, just a, a nice modern twist to it. And it just got released on PS5 and Xbox Series oh X, gosh. if I'm not mistaken, uh, with an enhanced edition. So you can do either 4K 30 or you can do 1080 60 frames per mm. second. Cool. Awesome. Justin, I know you're traveling work yeah so i downloaded i realized i'm two picross games behind yeah it's easy to get behind picross <laughs> i don't know i don't know when they came out with two more of them so you know i bought the last one that i hadn't bought and uh it's always a great it's like the perfect takeoff landing game it's like ah mm. i don't want to start like a real game like because i don't have that much time but sure. like picross and then i also downloaded this super rad switch game called gata protectors i've, I've seen oh. it's a tower defense game right well, kind of, not really. It, it like the genre almost like defies description. It's um, it's top down. It has kind of like eight bit pixel art graphics, so not sixteen bit, but kind of like earlier and lower fi than that. It does have defense elements where it, basically the premise of the game is you have this princess you're trying to uh, protect, and you can build defenses, but it's mainly like a, it's almost like an NES Mosu game. Like it's mm. just hundreds and hundreds of enemies oh, and then man. you play some character it's more of an action game like you go out into the world and like defeat all these goblins and stuff and then uh there's areas where the enemies spawn and you have to destroy their little spawners and then win win the levels and it's very um the writing is much better and more clever and funnier than it is any right to be i think like john mccarty and like some of the old egm crew are like on the writing mm -hmm. staff oh, cool. of this game oh. and um the writing does like it comes right up to the line of like is this cheesy is yeah. this bad, actually? What I've seen, <laughs> it did give me pause because I, I don't like it. Indie games can be too like yeah. self-referential. There's a lot like, of that, but it is um, like no one would ever say the game doesn't have like personality mm -hmm. and like memorable. I would I would rather it like veer toward maybe being too much than just being like boring and bland so, and like I just want to skip it and I don't care. And um, I actually, so it's a sequel to a 3DS game. So I dug out of my closet and dusted off my 3DS to buy the original Gata Protectors, too. And so now I have both of them. I have the Switch one and I have the 3DS one before the 3DS eShop shuts down. Oh. And my 3DS, I haven't turned it on in literally years, and it had a charge. Still, Still working. That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. So, um, so I played them both, and um, they're, both, they're both rad. I highly recommend them. Cool. Does the 3DS screen look, like, so quaint and funny and dim <laughs> now when you look at it? Yeah, dude, after playing on the Switch, and, um, like, I play a lot of games on iPad, too. Yeah. yeah, the 3DS screen was a little bit of a trip. But, um, but, but like everything else, after 10 minutes, you'd reacclimate, and then mm -hmm. you're fine. But it was, it was very weird. I, like, I kept trying to do the touchscreen with my finger before I remembered, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a little stylus you have to slide out, and it was yeah. a stylus thing. Which 3DS do you have? Uh, the original one, whatever the so it's extra blue. small, yeah. especially and by comparison now, every screen is huge now. Yeah. So now it's like, oh my gosh, I can't even see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I realized there's a few um, like 3ds, like the, the, everyone's in a panic over the eShop shutting down, mm -hmm. and so I'm starting to do some research on um, 3ds eShop exclusives that maybe I want to download before the console goes away forever. And I would say, God of Protectors, it's up there. Check it out. And Sam, what have you moved on from after unpacking? 
I started Spirit Fair into well, right. them packing. It's on Game Pass. That's right. Um, I've been like, it's the only thing I want to do. I love it. Um, it. It's a really cool combination of kind of uh, what Nick was talking about. Uh, a lot of like, you know, you you, you, re- you build out a, a, it's 2D, but you build out a town. So the town is like kind of how you draw like a little 2D town as a kid where it's like layers of buildings stacked on top of buildings all on a boat. And then you move that boat around an open world. So it's like you're building uh, 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 in farming and doing like, you know, kind of like Sims type stuff. Um, But at the same time, you can park at an island and then go like platform around that island. And like I have a couple skills, like a double jump and a float. And like that's actually let me go back to other islands and like explore other areas and not like a Metroid way, but in kind of an item upgrade way, which is like a blast. Right. It's my favorite type of game. So it mixes in those elements. Uh, So I really like I don't. Uh, I think Damon specifically, you don't really like, you know, the Animal Crossings or the Stardew Valley type games. Um, and this has some elements of that, right? Because you you build a village and you can talk to people and they have lives. and But you also are building um, uh, a craft and using that to get further in the game. And then you're upgrading your own skills. And then the exploration part is really fun. So mm. I really like it. And uh, there's a there's a really cool aesthetic to it. Um, very, very nice um you know, replication of hand animation. So it's like mm-hmm. something that's drawn really nicely and then like animated in kind of a fun choppy way. Um, and then when you're out just like cruising, it feels like Wind Waker where it's like, I actually mm-hmm. like the time between times, but this game gives you stuff to do on the boat. So if you, you, for you just sit there and just look at the distance and like, while you're traveling, it's like the sun is rising or setting and there's like cool storms coming in. Like it's gorgeous. It's really neat. You can fish off the side of the boat while you're doing that. So you can appreciate multiple things at once, or you can just go and like start cooking and smelting and, and planting if you want in like, cause your whole entire existence is like built in this like tower on this boat that you're moving around. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. What a brilliant game. Cool. Fair rules. Yeah. Fair fair is very good. I'm also a big fan of how the game incentivizes you to build not only to how you like to do it, but according to villager requests where people want to be near certain things. And it really brings me back to like the era of Dark Cloud on the PS2 where it's like, oh, wow. oh people are like, I want to be next to the livery. I want to be next to the, the fishing hut or whatever. And, and trying to accommodate that, you get extra goodies. And it just really incentivizes you to explore and play around with how you build stuff out. It's a good time. Cool. Oh, yeah. I did start Tunic before I left. Oh, there you go. It's so nice. good. Nice. Well, Tunic is yeah. great. Sam's but it'll right. be, I mean, it'll it'll be interesting to see how, how easy it is for you to get back into it. <laughs> yeah. It's, just, it's daunting for me. As long about as you didn't leave off on a boss, you're fine. You know, if you left <laughs> off on a boss, you're boned. I mean, that game, I, I forget exactly how you phrased it, Sam, but like that game could have been a cute fox going on a Zelda like adventure mm-hmm. and you'd be like, okay, it's a good video game. Yeah. But like, it immediately is like sort of impressing upon you like deeper meaning and like greater ambitions than just being like a cute Fox Zelda clone. Like it's, it's, um, it's so immediately apparent that it's kind of something special and has more going on under the hood. I'm excited to get home and play more of that. And also I guess to see my kids, but got to get back to that Fox game. (laughs) Good shop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meats and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Your tasty proteins are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness so you can stock your freezer and cook when you're ready. Choose from over 70 high quality cuts, 100% grass fed ribeyes, USDA prime filet mignon, free range and organic chicken breasts, pork tenderloin, and thick cut bacon, just to name a few. They also offer sustainable and wild caught seafood, salmon, Pacific cod, scallops, shrimp, and more. My recent Good Chop box included a couple delicious boneless 10 ounce ribeye steaks. 
I also got some Alaskan sockeye salmon fillets that I baked in foil with lemon juice, garlic cloves, and a little parsley. And then there was the thick cut bacon that I've been baking up for breakfast with my eggs. Saving me trips to the grocery store or butcher means I have more time for important things like spending time with my family and, of course, playing video games. Go to goodchop.com gamescoop120 and use code gamescoop120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code gamescoop120 at goodchop.com gamescoop120 for $120 off. goodchop.com gamescoop120, code gamescoop120. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Okay, let's get into the news this week. This week we got MPD numbers for both March and for the first quarter of the year. And Xbox Series is 2022's best-selling platform by dollars made so far. The Nintendo Switch sold more units, but the Xbox Series family pair of consoles made more money. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, what's it all really about? So (laughs) my question is, does this tell us that the Xbox Series is outselling the PlayStation 5 this year so far? Yeah, it must yeah. be, I mean, right? Right, because the Series X costs the same. The Series S costs less. If they made more money... Maybe they're more readily available. Well, that's, that's <laughs> that too. That's I mean, definitely that, true. That could absolutely be true. Yeah, I mean, that was that was my sort of, you know, react, like that's what I kind of figured out when I was reading this news. That certainly jives with what we're seeing in like IGN mm. Commerce Land as we write shopping posts and update deal articles to let people know when the PS5 and Xbox are available. Both have been available in Q1, but the Xbox is much more available. Mm. So I think mm. that they're just having a better job getting them on store shelves. Mm. I, I still don't think it's the same story we've been saying for like over a year of like, I don't think that this sales data really tracks to demand at all. It's just about whoever can get more consoles made. Yeah. Interesting. Sam, what do you think? If Sony didn't sell the most units or make the most money, do you think people at Sony are being like, what is going on? 
<laughs> I, it's funny because Damon and I had a meeting about this this week and we talked about a bunch of different permutations about this. And I think it's pretty interesting. Like you could, this is something that's not in the NPD numbers, but it also matters to those companies how much the systems cost to make. And like, you know, it, it's it, it, the supply issue is really interesting, but it's like how much, you know, how much profit does each of these companies make on each of these consoles? And time was that that was like a couple bucks remember that Mm -hmm. when it was like for each super nintendo sold they made like three dollars or something but they're like that was not the point the point is to trojan horse all of the content and all the games the game sales right now it's subscriptions and game sales and um you know i think that's an interesting that's probably what's happening internally to 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 kind of you know answer that question is that like are they are they they're probably scrambling just like you're you can imagine to get supply up to, to meet demand but um I, uh, I I also think that like it would be a bizarre twist in the console wars if we look back at the first two years of these consoles and Xbox can say all this stuff about how you know they have the most consoles out there and they're the best selling system and that it might actually help them sell more systems and be mm. more marketable and all this other stuff it might actually snowball and the and the entire reason for that is not necessarily consumer interest or desire but supply. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy, right? It's just a really interesting twist that yeah. I never thought would happen. I think if if the there was just a bountiful supply of both consoles and they were everywhere, all over the world, in every territory, surely the PS5 would be overwhelmingly selling better than the Xbox, right? Like, well, I'd buy yeah. two. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm enjoying the Xbox personally this generation, but just kind of trying to look at the trends and, like, where does the fandom lie? And, like, yeah. the PS5 is still... Like it's still the hot crazy thing two mm-hmm. years later, but there but Sony is having a very hard time getting them onto store shelves. And Sony has released two very big exclusives this year so far, and mm-hmm. Xbox hasn't released mm-hmm. anything. Yep, so that that makes it even more surprising to me. Um, okay, on the on the software side, Elden Ring is the best selling game of the year so far, and not even that. Elden Ring is the best selling game of the past twelve months. Wow! So going back wild. to March of twenty twenty one, that means it's already outsold Resident Evil Village. You know, a game that it's the eighth entry in a long-running beloved franchise. Mm-hmm. Elden Ring is well. I guess you could argue that just FromSoft games in general are their yeah. own sort of franchise. I mean, it's kind of weird sure. that we're having a conversation about a FromSoft game being yeah. the most like highest-selling game of all. Like, what? Like, that's that's absurd. <laughs> yeah. If you would have told me back in what 2012 when Demon Souls came out, like, that, how are they going to make the best-selling <laughs> game of the past year? What? That's that's it's interesting to see because I think we're definitely in a space where. Like I think our in, our inherent bubble in the gaming industry and just people who like video games in the way that we do, they're mm. like, yeah, of course, I want to play Elden Ring or I want to. I'm at least interested in it. Mm. But I think that extent, I think Elden Ring's reach has clearly uh, surpassed that bubble and is starting to reach. Like I want to play the hard game. I want to see what's so <laughs> tough about this game. And there's, I think, an appeal and a, an allure to that. Yeah. And you know, all anyone can talk about this year because there hasn't really been that much released. I mean, it's broken through in that mass market way of like it's in the New York Times. It's like there's two games a year. They're mm-hmm. like, whatever, I'm like making that number up. Like a, a small number of games a year yeah, that like right, yeah. rise to that like mainstream level of like consciousness. And somehow like yeah. Elden Rings, Elden Ring became one of them that like managed to bust through in that mainstream way. Yeah, even, even Is my- Namco's first hit since Pac-Man. There's <laughs> <laughs> your headline. In 1980. Yeah, even anecdotally, like my friends who haven't played a video game since they were in college or something, yeah. they're like, what's this? El- I keep seeing this Elden Ring game all, all over mm-hmm. Reddit. Exactly. It's like, yeah. like you say, it's breaking through. And it's also like, a, a pardon the parlance, but it's a very like memeable game. Like people, mm. it, it is kind of, 
inherently made in a way so that people can talk about it in the way that sure. we do video games nowadays or just popular media. And I think this is conjecture on my part, but even having the George R.R. R. Martin uh, like subtitle in there is like he worked the Game of Thrones guy worked yeah. on this. I'm interested now because I remember when Game of Thrones was cool and popping, but yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon. So best selling game of the past 12 months. That means it's also outsold Battlefield 2042 and Far Cry 6. Very yeah. impressive feats, I think. Mm -hmm. Wow. Sam, I'm sure you can also corroborate. Eldering is the biggest thing on IGN of the year so far. It is, yeah. It's just like anything we cover, uh, you know, and, and provide about Elden Ring from, you know, like awesome guides and stuff like that that we're doing to just any coverage of like just fun things, I think, to Nick's point of it being memeable. Like, it's really cool when someone does something cool in that game. And, you know, everybody wants to see that. Um, I really liked the, uh, is it Let Me Solo Her? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Story that we ran last week. And that interview was so cool. That was like one of the coolest like game community stories. Read. Check that out. Even if you haven't played Elden Ring or haven't played it a lot, it makes, a, it's like a really cool community story about a way to play a game. And, you know, I think there's also the element of like, it's kind of like speed running where it's like people do amazing things in a game and you want to watch it. I mean, Breath of the Wild had that too, right? Mm -hmm. Where like people start doing like crazy stuff to break it. And if enough people play a game and can understand universally, like, oh, this is a really interesting way to break a game. Skyrim has this too, right? Uh, that yeah. that it, it becomes like that type of game. It's the game that goes around. Whereas like there's some games where you can't really stretch them or break them that easily or, or they're not conducive, but they're still played by a ton of people. Like Red Dead Redemption like didn't really have like that playfulness that came out of it. Red Dead 2, I mean. Mm -hmm. Whereas GTA does, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's just so much that people are doing and creating and making and modding this game now too. There's a lot of mods happening. As I was saying last week, I've been cheesing my way all over the lands between. Mm -hmm. And I, I've noticed in like comments on Facebook, some people are getting a little tired of me talking about Elder Ring. So, but I, I did, I did uh, do another great cheese this week. I would love to tell the story if you'll give me just two minutes here, Please. just to bear with me. So I'll, I was, I'll allow it. Okay. Did you see people? Did you see people yelling about how like they're like, well, Sam's not allowed to talk about Breath of the Wild. Why should Damon be allowed to talk about Elden Ring? I like that's not really the case. It was kind of a joke, yeah, and we yeah. just realized that we were only comparing things to Breath of the Wild, which is like you know something yeah. that I self-imposed. It's yeah. not a Damon-imposed man. It's true. It's true. Anyway, I did another super fun cheese this week. I've, I'm in the mountaintops of the Giants. So Commander Nile, if that's how it's pronounced, mm. I was telling Nick before this. He's a big jerk. Big jerky boss. He's the boss of this fortress up in the mountains. And he's really tough. And he also summons two like... He's got buddies. Yeah, he summons these two spirit knights. So it's three on one. Totally unfair. But here's the thing. You're in this fortress and the boss is there the whole time. He doesn't spawn when you come to him. And he's like up in the, the top mm -hmm. of this tower. So you can go around to the other side of the fortress and climb up on the wall of like the rampart. And you can look across the way and through this tiny little port on the wall, you can see him there. And he's doing his just like idle animation. He's just like started doing this. And he's really far away and the hole, the hole is small. But an arrow will fit through it, <laughs> <laughs> or a thousand arrows, or however many it took. I it spent takes skill. Yeah, it's how like many pixel, did it take? Pixel perfect accuracy. <laughs> I went through every arrow in my inventory. I was crafting new arrows. I was throwing throwing daggers at him. Whatever I could get through there. I think it took like thirty minutes. He has thousands of hit points. My mm -hmm. arrows are doing like sixty five damage. Maybe if I crit, it's doing like one eighteen. Anyway, eventually he just killed over dead. I, like I beat him. <laughs> I like that he doesn't bother moving. He doesn't bother moving. He's being should shot I, with should arrows. Should I move over 18 inches? Nah. So I'll just die instead. Shot with arrows. He falls. And then I can just make my way back to it and make it to the boss fight area. And he's just not there. And See, I, can... I, I love how the game, like, there? 
No, they were gone. There's no wrong way they to left. do it. You just had, yeah. you you discovered something, and yeah, the game wow. rewarded you because you discovered something, which is a, it's cool. There's an argument Love to be it. made that like the game is so mean to you, yeah, that, that like it justifies it you being mean. Exactly. Back. Like it deserves it deserves what it what it gets. It That's why I was surprised about any of the nerfing that was happening. You know, it's like well, just just let people break this game however they want now. I mean, um, yeah, Damon. It, yeah. Did you know that exploit from like looking it up or was that something where you're just oh, yeah. like, I bet I can shoot this guy from a distance? No, I definitely, I look, up, I, mm-hmm. I looked it up. I, I give it, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll give it a good try. If I'm just like getting nowhere though, I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. it's time. Commander <laughs> Nile cheese. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ex boss name plus cheese. Sometimes cheese. the cheese is difficult and it's like, ah, oh, that sounds like more hassle than it's worth. I'll just keep trying. I got a boundary them. break on but this top one of this ledge. Like, yeah. <laughs> this one's like, okay, I think I could get up to this ledge where I, I'll, I'll see if I can do it. 30 minutes later, I've done it. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Okay, who are the richest and poorest video game characters, you may have wondered? Well, (laughs) what does it mean to be a poor video game character? (laughs) Well, let's find out, Justin. Uh, You know, it sounds like a lot of work figuring out this list, so... (laughs) (laughs) Solitaire.com has done the work for us. Okay. Solitaire.com is a site where you can play solitaire. Got it. Sure. So now, clearly they document uh, now, who's the richest and most Why are they, they making characters. a list of the richest and poorest video game characters and emailing that list to the press? <laughs> what makes solitaire.com qualified to come up with this list? I don't think that's us for us to ask. Let's just let's well, just consume the list. Suffice it to say, you've been playing solitaire nonstop <laughs> since reading this list. I mean, so it's I think true. something it is true. <laughs> Let's just consume the list. <laughs> Don't think, just consume. It's like the dream of every uh, BuzzFeed. That's what they hope everyone's saying out there. Uh, okay. Just consume the list. Just consume yeah. the list. <laughs> just consume the list. So this is the top five. According to Solitaire.com, the top five earning video game characters. Coming in at number five, Max Payne. What? Oh, he's wealthy? They think spends too much on pills. They think a New York detective would make $98,000 a year. That cracks the top five? That's the top five according to this list. Wait, that's just a job list. Like, well, he's a detective. Yeah, but but to be fair, a lot of video game characters don't even have jobs, so. That's That's true. true. Yeah, but what about, like, Scrooge McDuck? What about Batman? I mean, maybe, to be fair, maybe they're talking about video game characters, not like Tony Stark. Yeah. But that's divorcing the character from the context. He's clearly not in a good place in (laughs) Max Payne 1, 2, and 3. I agree with you. Uh, You could take it up the chain with (laughs) solitaire.com. Anyway, I looked it up on the uh, NYPD's website. Starting salary is 42,000, but they say salary after five and a half years goes up to 85, Mm. and then including holiday pay, uh, longevity pay, uniform allowance, and overtime. Police officers may potentially earn over a hundred thousand per year. Got it. So ninety-eight. Could be. I love the idea of Max Payne on holiday. What the, I want that DLC. <laughs> he wears the Hawaiian shirt in three. Right? <laughs> I was gonna say. Yeah, totally. Okay, coming in at number four, highest-paid video game characters, Alex Mason. Does anyone even know who this is? Yeah, from, from Call of Duty, Call right? Of Duty. Call of Duty. Black Ops. The numbers, Mason. He's an intelligence analyst for the CIA. <laughs> uh, this says. 
He would make an impressive 107k a year. I looked on um, Glassdoor. Glassdoor actually says it's more like 116k for a well less inflation back in the, the CIA Black Ops days. Intelligence <laughs> analyst. So. so people are leaving the CIA and posting their salaries on Glassdoor. <laughs> sure. They get a knock sure. on their door. <laughs> black later. Ops agents specifically leaving their salary yeah. behind. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like to be a Black Ops agent? I'm just going to look it up. I kind of want to be one. <laughs> See what their salary is. Do they have direct deposit in their bank account? Like, how does this stuff work? Sure. Sure. Okay, coming in at number three, Albert Wesker. Nice. They say he was a virologist. This is such a weird thing. Virologists can make 117K a year. So, yeah. Those sunglasses, bald mane. I think he was only a virologist early in his career, right? I was guessing. Yeah, he's he's an executive at Umbrella. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he was captain of stars, right? And then Mm -hmm. he just went rogue and he, like, injected himself with a T-virus or something like that? Yeah, he could probably rob a lot of banks with that. I thought Wesker worked for Umbrella. Yeah. He did it first, but I think then I think he left and went on to do his own thing. Let's see how Umbrella fares on Glassdoor. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) Had had no upward mobility. <laughs> okay, coming in, <laughs> coming in at number two, Solid Snake. Okay. They say uh, mm. being um, a special forces soldier for the U.S. Army would make 140K. But I don't know. Uh, I looked at Glassdoor says 70K for a special forces officer. Mm. And I don't know who to believe. This makes sense, though, given that what we know about Metal Gear Solid mm-hmm. 2 Solid Snake, because him mm. and Otacon formed Philanthropy, which is basically a counter-terrorist organization, and they did that themselves. Oh. They funded all of that. So, yeah, you gotta, you gotta make a little bit of money in order to do that. Yeah, he's not Maybe they the raised venture capital. <laughs> it's yeah. a dot-com era boom, so maybe. Like private backers. <laughs> so well, maybe he had to sell off some of his nanomachines. <laughs> is nano stock okay any guesses who's number one highest it's gonna be mario because he's a plumber it's gotta be mario, it's gotta right? be mario. He's, he's a plumber he's an astronaut but it's not he's a doctor he, did work, <laughs> he worked for construction early yeah. on <laughs> mario but only in doctor form uh, <laughs> dr mario I, I said please please it's doctor doctor <laughs> handsome jack from borderlands okay. Okay. weapons yeah. manufacturer ceo of hyperion corp uh, they would guess he would make 430k, but I kind of feel like if you're the CEO what? of like a an outer space yes. a weapons agency, it's probably a little bit higher. Billions yeah, of dollars. Probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's, he's an intergalactic I mean, war monger. Yeah, he's yeah, probably making a little bit more. It's actually quite a bit higher than this. <laughs> they own hunters. and mine several planets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. It's like you have human beings on Earth that have yeah. 300 billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there you go. Top five highest earners according to. Solitaire.com, but what about the lowest earners? The list is a little sus, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> what about the uh, lowest David, did you, earners? did you put together this list? No, this is Solitaire.com. And they're like, getting lots they of advertising. They put a lowest earners together? That's yep. just rude. The lowest earners is so funny. It's like there's like there's a primal rage where you play as a dinosaur. Like, how do <laughs> well, you do I mean, going, yeah, on the on the occupation side, if we're going that route, Bonk is a caveman. They have no currency. <laughs> <laughs> he just has meat. He just meat. <laughs> It can trade you some meat. Okay, coming in at number five. This is lowest paid. Uh, Ryu. 
Oh. Yeah, okay. But this what, is a little... What's Ryu's job? So they exactly. say he's a martial arts instructor. I think he's a... Exactly. I haven't... I was not able to he's, find he's any... of a pupil. I think he's just like... A, he doesn't he just wander the earth yeah. getting into these fights? Yeah. <laughs> if anything, right? he's paying he's like, to He is trained. a street fighter. He's a street fighter. <laughs> oh, I think he just no. wanders... He's like a spiritual wanderer. He's on a walkabout. Yeah, he's not about material possessions. And rich, though. I don't... Well, oh, yeah. hold on. Isn't his... But his... Is, is Ryu's level at the dojo? Yeah, is that true? Is that yeah. what indicate mm -hmm. that you know? Unless, I mean, there is a dojo that he teaches in, or or maybe he just trained there. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't what do you able think to find. Waka's job is. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually number six, but once you beat up this car enough times in the mini game, oh, he just God. loses more monetary value over time. Do you think Hagar has a family? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? We only know the, that Hagar does. He's he's, a, he's the mayor. Yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. mayor. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, that's right. Coming in at number four, Desmond Miles. Because he was He's a bartender. A bartender. Yeah. However, they say as a bartender in New York City, you'd make about 28K a year. And I bet bartenders in New York City make a lot more than that. Yeah, I think so too. Desmond from Assassin's Creed is a bartender. That's a part of the story. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the canon when Abstergo <laughs> kidnaps him in the first Assassin's okay. Creed. Yeah. Well, okay. do they put him in a work. machine? Yeah, they put him in the. And Kristen Bell puts him in the Animus. And, <laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing. And then he actually relives okay. the life of a former, more famous bartender. <laughs> yeah, that's how he gets his abilities. <laughs> this is good trivia. What's the name of the bar where he works? Oh, Bad weather. That's why he has all those hoodies. Coming in at number three, <laughs> Cloud Strife. Oh, okay, that doesn't. No, no. I call shenanigans. He's yeah. a mercenary. He's a mercenary. Well, He's only in it. <laughs> He's ex-military mercenary. And they're paid. They think he would make 26K a year as a private first-class soldier in the army. The name alone sounds like he makes a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't. Wait, is that like his Shinra wages? <laughs> also, it, also, he used to work for the, mo like, the most prolific company in the entire planet of Gaia. Right. That makes no sense. It, it didn't trickle down to him. <laughs> like, also, like, what's the... Is it Gil in that? Yeah, yeah. Gil. Gil. What's maybe, the guild maybe, exchange rate? Maybe, yeah, maybe guild exchange has just really, really gone south. <laughs> this list does not get better from here if, you're, if, you, if you take umbrage <laughs> okay. with it so far. Coming in at number two, Link. That makes sense. <laughs> and they say... I mean, he has zero rupees. They say Link would earn a measly 25k per year as a knight. <laughs> okay. Wait, Listen, solitary. Breath of the Wild, Link, clearly. Dot is com. that how much Sir Patrick Stewart makes? Link is not a knight. <laughs> Yeah, what are you talking about? But they about? say, uh, a knight was paid an average of two shillings per day in the 1200s, <laughs> yeah. which, which means that Link would take home just over 25K when taking into consideration increases in inflation. Really? Two I mean, shillings. You could, <laughs> he's freelancing, destroying How all How easy pots. is that? What is two shillings a day yeah. in the, the, shilling, the shilling to rupee conversion? conversion. <laughs> oh, man. Link I, uh, is not also, employed. maybe if he... Link, yeah, well, it, maybe well, he has more time to play solitaire and improve his brain skills. Yeah, they're uh, clearly probably. fans of Breath of the Wild. Link, who was employed as a knight by the Hyrulean Army. I guess, I guess so. Maybe <laughs> that's one. If Bonk's not number one, this list is <laughs> suspect. Bonk is well, not number but, one. Wait, 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 wait. I think Link is a knight in Breath of the Wild, right? A hundred years is that ago, true? he's Correct. a knight there. Yeah, he, okay. in the past, yeah, it, he, the Age of Calamity era, mm -hmm. Link, before he gets knocked out and wakes up. What about yeah. what yeah. about Chuck Rock it's... Two, Son of Chuck? You play as a baby. You are literally You're just a baby. A baby. Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, coming in number one on the lowest earners on this list is 
Pac-Man, which I guess makes sense. However, they say with a salary of just over 20K per year as a security guard. <laughs> what? What? Hold on, let me check they, what, his, what his job was. They have called Pac-Man a security guard. I feel like he's... Well, because there's a cartoon, hmm. right? Well, okay, okay oh, is that yeah. his job in the cartoon? Maybe that's true. Yeah, I don't remember Do they that. work for... Oh, man. Uh, here's a rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> me, uh, I think... The ghosts work for a company. What? what? I didn't know there was lore. Is there Pac-Man? Pac lore? Yeah, yeah. This is all from yeah, yeah. Pac-Land, okay. well, actually. Okay. <laughs> Most episodes of the series center around the ongoing battle between the Pac family and their only known enemies, the ghost monsters, Blinky, Inky, Pinky, Clyde, and Sue. They work for Mesmeron, whose sole mission is to locate and control the source of power pellets, which serve as the primary food and power source for the city and is also the deus ex machina in virtually every episode. The second it. and final season later introduces Super Pac and Pac-Man's teenage cousin PJ. <laughs> Gotta see, see uh, the means so of power yeah. pellets. So I think Pac-Man Pac goes to work. Pac-Man's a security guard at this company? Uh, no, no. So the ghosts, I think, work for <laughs> Mesmeron. Right. Um, the, but Pac-Man, I think, you know, has uh, some kind of defender of the city. I can't remember. Maybe, maybe right. that's where that came from, though. I love it. That's great. Honorable mentions. Given Mario's Italian, Italian heritage, he would earn a salary of 42K working as a plumber in Italy. But well, he doesn't live in Italy. <laughs> he lives in New York. We all know this from the movie. And he's constantly picking up coins. He uh, lives in New Dock City. Lara <laughs> Croft, they think she would make about 55K working as a British archaeologist. But she's okay. just an heiress, right? Yeah, she's, she's, she's already she's innately rich. Yeah. She has a butler that yeah. you can yeah. lock in a closet. I'm pretty yeah. sure her title is Tomb Raider. <laughs> <laughs> That's on her business card. She, I mean, if I was, it would be Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, not archaeologist. <laughs> While Sonic the Hedgehog isn't currently on the job hunt. Based on his ability wow. to run at supersonic speeds, it is only fitting that he would earn a salary of 47K as a professional athlete. As like what? Like an sure. Olympic sprinter? He'd probably get a Nike deal or something. He yeah. break every record. <laughs> I saw the movie. He runs to the ocean and back in like two <laughs> seconds. And finally, Pikachu would be perfectly suited to a job as a detective, earning him 48K a year. Although considering his element type, he would also make for a great... Electrician. Gosh. That's just manipulating an animal. <laughs> That's just harming an animal for your benefit. There you go. That's the list of richest and, and poorest video game characters Boy. as compiled by well, Solitaire. I, I know, I'm Damon. so glad we spent all this time. <laughs> this is how he wears time. us down before 20 questions. He just, <laughs> just grinds us down. Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. After listeners, that... Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at ign.com, just like Daniel Ring in Brisbane, Australia did. He provided a pronunciation guide. Mm. So it's one of my all my one of my all-time favorite games is Star Wars Republic Commando. Oh, I man. replay it at least once a year. I was bummed it never got a sequel from its cliffhanger ending. With exclusivity no longer with EA, being an Xbox player, I would love to see the coalition do a Gears of War-esque Republic Commando squad shooter set in the Clone Wars. My question is, if you, if you could have any studio do a Star Wars game, what studio and type of game would you want? Mm. Sam? 
We've definitely done this before, right? Let's do it again. <laughs> All right, let's do it again. I would like, uh, so the the Star Wars game I want to play is always a uh, space combat shooter. I really, mm, really like the space combat stuff in Rogue Squadron uh, 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. And then the recent uh, Squadrons was yeah. pretty fun. I like that. But um, I think that, uh, uh, you know, Bungie, and then I guess 343 might have had one of these Halo games. The Halo space shooter lovers are, are pretty cool, and they look cool. So I think those teams would do a good job with a Star Wars game. Um, but I definitely like somebody like, you know, that has the chops graphically to do one of those, because I think they need to be beautiful, and then they need to have really good... Um, uh, uh, spaceship controls, which are pretty specific for Star mm. Wars. I really like this game. So, and single player, please. Mm. None of this. Oh, yeah. None of this multiplayer stuff. <laughs> Nick, how about you? Oh man. Uh, I mean, mine almost exists. I think it's the closest analog. Like when I thought of Dream Star Wars, I'm like Jedi Fallen Order, but with maybe more RPG elements. Like I mm. want, I want to level up stats. I want equipment and items i find in the environment to have some sort of tangible effect as opposed to just a cosmetic one that's just a me thing just because i love like you know a, a souls like game like mm-hmm. a like an elden ring uh but if i if i had the what i whatever i want if i can make whatever i want i want uh i want sucker punch to to team up with uh respawn which again would never happen but uh, open world yep action RPG Mandalorian game in the vein of Jedi Fallen Order, but centered around the Mandalorian. Well, Sucker Punch occurred to me too because of Ghost of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. You've already got your sword melee combat in there. Yeah, uh, that I, works I can, too. Yeah, I can totally see something. It like made that. sand look really good. Yeah. Yeah. But I hate sand. I don't like sand. Of course. <laughs> and it gets everywhere. <laughs> Justin. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... A Lego for... Star Wars game. Uh, well, we just got a very good Lego Star <laughs> Wars game. That was a very game. good Lego Star Wars game. Um... So uh, as I was reflecting on this, there's been a lot of really, really good Star Wars games over the year that have covered, like, we got really good space shooters and we Mm -hmm. got really good third-person action adventure. Mm -hmm. And going back in the day, we got really good Doom clones and first-person shooters. And I really like (laughs) real-time strategy games. They even made a couple really good real-time strategy Star Wars games. And so, you know, I feel like... Star Wars chess. You like that too, right? (laughs) I've not played Star Wars chess, but I I don't want to get my arms torn off. You got to let the Wookiee win. I feel like my plate is full and we've had a bounty of really excellent Star Wars games over the years. I always, I feel a little sting that Star Wars 1313 was canceled. And so for all the really awesome Star Wars games we've gotten, we never actually got like just the straight up Uncharted style third person adventure game. Just like Mm -hmm. tell a cool rad Star Wars story, play as a cool character. Like I'm not taking anything away from Jedi Fallen Order, which is super awesome, but it did have a little bit more of like a specific pointed vision instead of just a very broad uncharted like like naughty dog making a star wars game mm-hmm. just like if only straight we could up put somebody from naughty dog in charge of a star wars. <laughs> mm-hmm. i know Fun. like i hope you know i hope the rumors are true and that it all kind of <clears throat> you know coalesces around that kind of product but um but i think I that's mean, amy had just announced me. you know that they announced that game and that's going right. to be i hope exactly what you're talking about yeah yeah that's That'd the rumor awesome. we'll we'll see in no, it's so however long it I mean, takes. Yeah. No, I know it's announced, but not the specifics of like it's going to be oh, something yeah. Star it Wars could, 13. It 13, could be like. the space shooter that I'm looking for. That's how much we know about that game. <clears throat> so I was really bummed to see that go, and that's what I would like mm-hmm. to see. The one that occurred to me I would, would actually... also like. Wait, what's that? Well, I, I would just want to do really quick. Uh, the footage we were watching reminded me uh, of Shadows of the Empire, and mm. uh, that game is really, really silly and funny. And um, 
I like Dash Rendar a lot, and I think nine more levels of that would be fun. <laughs> Bring yeah. back Dash. But it has to be those exact graphics. Yeah. Uh, um, it's really what? muddy, blocky. <laughs> The one that occurred to me would be a return because I recently introduced my two-year-old son to pod racing. Mm. Mm. So we watched the pod racing scene in episode one. He loves it. Um, and it's, it's yeah. actually great. I'm always looking for things that are like exciting but not too violent yeah. to watch. And so it's perfect. So yeah, I think we should, like what about a new, a new pod racing game with like our, you know, on Unreal Engine 5, you know, with the Need power for of- pod, pod racing hot pursuit. <laughs> pod racing hot pursuit yeah that could be that could be something good even if it's like like put playground games on it you know like have, be as good looking as forza horizon 5 doesn't need to be an open world pod racing game i think yeah. that would be weird for pod racing. team of 300 people it yeah. just cost 80 million dollars <laughs> yes. but if someone's an open world pod racing game would you be would you say no no i wouldn't say no but like the the pods aren't very like they they work yeah. they're meant for that race they're not meant for just like day-to-day getting but around imagine if they right? were just commuting yeah <laughs> New pod racing game. I think it's time. This is BJ like Bumgarner. To... What's that, Sam? Well, I would just like to find... They were they made an arcade cabinet for pod racing. Yeah. And it has mm-hmm. like a molded, you know, yellow end of a pod racer. And I've, I haven't seen one of those at a convention or anything like that. I'd really, really like to play one of those. Well, speaking of arcades, Sam, BJ Bumgarner <laughs> says, at the end of last week's episode, you talked about the arcade phenomenon of Street Fighter 2. I tried doing some research about arcade game revenue, and not surprisingly, facts are difficult to come by. I was able to find some cited sources stating that Street Fighter 2 <laughs> made 260 million pounds in the UK in a 12-month period. Some websites had extrapolated this to say it made $5 billion in two years during its peak, but there are a fair amount of assumptions made in this calculation. As for Pac-Man, sources disagree about how much Americans spent on Pac-Man in 1982, but place it somewhere between $1.7 billion and $6 billion. <laughs> However, other estimates place the total lifetime earnings somewhere between three and six billion. Finally, I may have found decent evidence of a bigger or equal arcade phenomenon since Street Fighter II. The project leader, Mark Termel of NBA Jam, stated it made $1 billion in 12 months. While this number is lower than Pac-Man and Street Fighter II estimates, he also quote, he's quoted as saying it went down as the highest earning video arcade game of all time. No matter what game made the most, it just amazes me how much money went into arcades. My question is, did all this money go to arcade owners, or did a percentage get paid back to game publishers? Sam? <laughs> yeah, there, there were some schemes like that, where there would be like a, an operator would have a route, and then that route might be owned by you know, a game publisher or something like that. I think that's pretty uncommon. Like, there's a, there's, you know, uh, the, the idea was that you would be investing a lot of money into buying a game. You know, they would cost hundreds or of dollars at the time, which would be thousands of dollars now. And like, that's still the case. If you buy um, a brand new Star Wars Battle Pod game, for example, uh, that is the one that's in the big sphere. Like those were like 20K or something like real, really much more expensive than you'd think for what's basically a dead or dedicated, you know, operating system, uh, a, a unique screen, and then, mm-hmm. you know, controls um, and a build. Uh, it's a lot of money. Like a pinball machine, high end is 12, 12K. So that's more than that. And you can, the intricacies of making pinball is crazy. But the point is, once you buy those, the idea is like your earnings will increase at your location because, mm-hmm. you know, that you have a new game. And like that's all the advertisements at the time were like, increase your earnings by modifying the game you have. P- pay another set of, you know, uh, money to like upgrade Miss Pac Man to go faster. Like that was the whole issue is that once you had a game on your property, you were taking those quarters to bank so the earnings you know are really of you know the selling the game for a company like midway uh, who sold pac-man in, in america 
uh, and then the the operators would make that money back, you know, by a uh, uh, making quarters. But remember, they would also get sick of their games after a while, and they would stop earning, and they want to swap those out. So, like that's where it gets a little murky. Like if you worked with a um, uh, a jukebox distributor, right? Then or you know, there was an established pinball industry at the time of arcades. Uh, then they would probably come grab that game back and then like work out you know, either another location for it or a secondhand market. So like there was a there was an intermediary company also making money. It just wasn't mm. you know Midway or Atari. Does that make sense? Does that explain anything? Yeah, I think so. That's I, my understanding of it, and that hasn't changed. That's exactly how it is now. I mean, if a game made a billion dollars, that didn't go back to Namco. That went to the that's, arcade operators. Yeah, that's what I was, was going to say. Because they made say. the initial investment in buying exactly. the, the cabinet. And especially since arcade cabinets would change hands, like how would you even... Yeah. Like at my local 7-Eleven when I was a kid, like they had like a Tron... Yeah. Or I'm sorry, a Robotron cabinet. It's like, who, who knows how, how many places, <laughs> locations it had been until it arrived at that yeah. 7-Eleven, you know? Here's what and I and that know. was... So let like, me make the distinction. Like it, that... That 7-Eleven could have outright bought a game and put it in the corner. Right. That would be fine. They would not. They would have to secondhand market that afterwards, keep it forever. But uh, like a laundromat would likely do that. But what li that likely was was an operator on a route had that game and brought it in, and then they would swap that out with other games. And so that operator, that's what's interesting. That operator might be owned at that time back then by Midway. That mm -hmm. could have been an internal sure. distribution company, but that wasn't always the case. As I said, like there was already a, a countrywide established web of uh, of jukeboxes and pinball machines and you know amusement devices like that that like you know they would have been like oh well you know the, the new pac-man craze is happening let's buy 20 of them and then we'll just put them all over our route on, in san francisco that's exactly sure. how that would have worked yeah that makes sense how much money did ms pac-man make in coin op sales in 2021 those cabinets yeah, still I mean, exist. I know they're yeah, still yeah, in barcades. I, and any barcade, I bet Miss Pac-Man is one of the most popular games. Mm -hmm. It still earns. Mm -hmm. I know, that's crazy. And, and probably yeah, there's earns, like an anniversary you know. one with Galaga in it that you see that's like half yeah. Miss Pac-Man, half Galaga. That's like only 15 years old or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's man. like if I were to go into an arcade, there's a hundred games I could put a quarter in. Like Miss Pac-Man is probably going to be like it's going to be stack ranked near the top of like mm -hmm. sure I'll put a quarter in that. Yeah. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's a cocktail you can sit down on in an arcade mm -hmm. where everything else is upright. All right, that brings us to video game 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Jonathan from Oregon. Let the questioning begin. You don't need your laptop anymore. Mm -mm. Would you call the uh, star of this game rich or wealthy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh boy. Yes. Can you, so okay. salary would be all that matters. Here. They're not a they're not a knight. <laughs> or uh, okay. I mean, okay. Did this game come out in the nineties? Yes. Mm, sounding like Arrow the Acrobat. Is this a Nintendo game? Yes. Wow. Okay. I mean, okay. Getting this... strong punch out vibes. Yeah, he's a boxer, professional boxer. But it's Glass <laughs> Joe, so he doesn't earn. <laughs> um, okay, did this game originally come out on the Nintendo 64? Yes. Cool. We know it's not Link. <laughs> There's only like 11 games that Nintendo made for that yeah. system. Uh, I mean, well, okay, was this game made by Rare? Yes. <laughs> yes! That's fine. Wait, it... I mean, there's not that many, okay. Is this game, uh, what is it, Blast Core? It, it, Wait, no, well, no, but we can't ask the game. Like, oh, the game. Oh, apologies, apologies. <laughs> but rephrase it so that it's not the title of the game. 
And remember, what do you know what the what do you know what the main character in Blast Core earns? Because I'm, I'm thinking this is indicating James Bond. Yeah, so there's Goldeneye, there's Jet Force Gemini, there's Donkey Kong 64, Banjo. Is this Blast a Core. game centered around destruction? No. Okay. Uh, okay. So yeah, it's probably Goldeneye. Is this a first person shooter? Yes. <laughs> Wow. Is it Goldeneye? Does yes. this game have yeah, any We did oh, it. Yeah. Oh, Eight questions. Yeah, I'm assuming James Bond is wealthy. Yeah. He's not yeah. in it for the yeah. money, though. I really well, you know what black ops agents make. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that's appropriate. I mean, he's got in like, the modern movies. His apartment was nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has does, family does state benefits in the UK, right? Like, that's <laughs> that's true. He yep. actually doesn't own plans. any of that stuff, though. He's, it's just it's leased just, to him. Yeah. What about his tux? You don't think he owns it? This footage is like remade. This footage, right? it's like, the we the we make. Oh, oh, got it. Remember the we make. This is how we remember it looking. Yeah, right. Or they put Daniel Craig into it. I we played. This... I made a core memory many years ago. We did the top 125 Nintendo games. It's a project on IGM when Nintendo was having its 125th anniversary, and we did let's plays of all 125 yeah. oh games. God. Yeah. And one of them was Goldeneye, and it was like me and Tim Geddes, and I don't remember. Like we got we're like let's do a four player Goldeneye death match. It'll be fun. It'll be awesome. <laughs> and it was like the least fun like the game runs at like eight frames per second the controls are really weird yeah and it was like i've never in my life experienced a bigger mismatch between like the my memories of like like i'd be gold night every day and then like trying to play that game and you know whatever year it was 2018 was a very um what a harsh lesson in like your memory is not always matching what reality was do you remember they were supposed to remake it for xbox live arcade yeah and it was like all but finished but they just couldn't work it out with nintendo like get the lights get the rights yeah was that like officially announced or was that just something we knew yeah there's rumors? articles on on ign.com from I mean, like you can't 2008 something like goldeneye rogue agent on the gamecube right what's up you can't top it's it goldeneye rogue Agent. but bad, then there was like game. but then <laughs> like perfect dark was in the rare that rare collection yeah, that, came that out. one's still in there yeah the wii game that we were just looking at i mean that was a a cutting edge <clears throat> system that was a little bit behind the other systems graphically and boy does that look like crap now i can't believe mm-hmm. how bad that golden eye looks yeah. that was a ground up made wii game like Mar- mario galaxy looks great still what happened yeah <laughs> i forgot to mention that in 2015 ign published an article the wealthiest video game characters <laughs> who are they you remember this sam <laughs> Did I write it? 2015. No, it's IGN it's, it's staff. That might have been when I ran I features. That, that may have been one that came through Could my be. desk. How does it align with Solitaire's ranking? IGN thought Mario would be number one. Wealthiest video game character. It's a lot of coins. I mean, he's just hoarding coins, yeah, right? There's a game dedicated to making those <laughs> coins. That was followed by Michael DeSanta De from GTA V. Oh, mm. sure. Lara Croft on there, of course. <laughs> Tom Nook. <laughs> Landlord. <laughs> Yep. I mean, once those bells, right? Yeah. If there's like y- your total bells is like several million that you have to pay back, and there's like eight people that live in your town. They have, we had Handsome Jack on the list and Solid Snake, then Cave Johnson. You know what game that's from? Yes, yeah, Portal, Portal 2. Yeah. I, I don't remember that name, but yeah, he ran the uh, Aperture Science. I just want to point out if Mario is assumed to be that rich, then the princess is just richer. So why do we yeah. choose Mario? Yeah, that's true. He's got to pay taxes. Her, <laughs> <laughs> it's a tax fraud. And then Andrew Ryan, of course, from Bioshock. And then it ends. The list ends with someone from Resident Evil, but not uh, Albert Wesker. It's Oswell Spencer. I, I of the Spencer Mansion fan. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. 
Uh, that's a pretty good list. Yeah. That's a that's a better that's list a better list. Uh, biased, <laughs> biased yeah, very much. <laughs> Solitaire.com, Justin. I don't. I'm uncomfortable with how much we're saying that, <laughs> that name. This episode is not sponsored by <laughs> Solitaire.com. But it's Solitaire if you're listening. Our door is open. I, I, I've got a hankering to play some boring single-player card games. <laughs> Sam, we wish you could have been in the studio with us. But how how was it for you? Being the one person on on location, is it okay? It was great because I got to uh, you know turn on these games, mm-hmm. hang out in my garage a little bit. The postman came by; it was very loud during the show. You know, cool that kind of stuff. Cool. Uh, home work from home problems. Yeah, I would say it worked out great. pretty smoothly. We were hearing worked Sam out. just fine. Yep, worked out pretty well. Justin, you flying home tonight? Tomorrow? Tomorrow. tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Safe travels. Thank you. I'll person. hurry back. If, anytime you're back, we'll figure out a way to do this in studio. Yeah, it's a good idea. We'll Nick, more pit cross. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for Always being a on, pleasure. Nick. Yeah. Thank you. And that's all the scoops that we have for you this week. Uh, also, thank you to everyone that working behind the scenes here. Marion, Tayo, Jamie. Lots of people are, you know, did a lot of uh, technical troubleshooting to make this all work again. It's been a long time we've, since we've recorded in studios. No one remembers how to do it. <laughs> We're relearning. It's like we woke it up from a coma. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit. <laughs> but it's good to be back. Uh, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out. Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye.